definitive now. Uh, and so before I even start this, as we're looking at this, I'm going to show you scripture. I'm going to show you everything that I'm talking about. But I want you to know that all good things come from God. Okay? God does not give you, uh, God doesn't, he doesn't kill, he's not killing you or putting disease on you or sickness or anything like that. How many understand that? The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's not God. So when I'm saying this, I'm, I'm going to try to, re, you know, hopefully keep that in perspective. And I want you to understand where my heart is when, I, when we're talking about uh, this. So we're, we're talking about um, God didn't say that or God never said that. And, and today we're talking about he won't give you no more, any more than you can handle. I've preached that, but I'm going to show you the context of, of what I want you to see it in. And uh, last week we talked about uh, this. We talked about it was God's ultimate goal that you would be happy. And we found out that it is not God's ultimate goal. God wants you happy, but that's not his ultimate goal. When we talk about being happy, it almost makes us want to dance. Yeah, you don't know what you got in store for. It's not so good. You understand why I was never a dancer. <laughs> Welcome to True Life Church. Please come back, bolt the doors. Don't let them leave yet. Let, give me another shot. <laughs> Next week, we're going to talk about the belief that says God doesn't, this is what, you know, we think it doesn't matter what you do as long as you don't hurt anyone. God never said that. And last week, in, in the fourth week, the last week that we're going to talk about this, is it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. God never said that either. And we're going to talk about those things because as you're a Christian out in the world today, people are saying things or are, are coming up and saying, well, you know, God just wants you happy. God wants you. Well, some of those are our own doing. And, and then we just try to make them work for us. And so we're going to look at those, and we're, today we're going to talk about that God won't give you more than you can handle. There's people that I'm talking to today, and, and we've all been there, and, and I'm myself included. Have ever, anybody ever have any financial stress? Financial problems? Job problems? Car problems? <laughs> How many got issues? <laughs> Husband and wife, you better raise your hand. <laughs> Yes, dear. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, maybe you got a bad doctor's report. The kids are bonking. The relationships are shaky. Whatever the thing is, it seems like it's almost just downward spiral. Things are going and just seems like they never stop. I had somebody who was so nice to encourage me one time. They go, you know, things always happen in threes. I don't know where they get that, you know, because I forget, you know, oh, man, I just I hated that. I hate it. Oh, well, just be ready. Two more bad things are going to happen. Shut up. I'm just trying to help. Well, you don't need that kind of help. You know, when you get really bound and bored and depressed and all of this, and it's like life is just, you feel like that corkscrew just being screwed in the ground. Some well-meaning person uh, many times that says they're a Christian comes up and says, just like we just saw, when God closes a door, he opens a window. If you work on the 12th floor, that's not good news. I mean, what does all of that mean? I, I, some of it, you know, we, we take some truths and then we, we put them in there and we just throw them at people. How about this? God helps those who help themselves. Hey, when you're down, you're just looking. Somebody help me. Don't just step on me. That's like on, on Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday, being the first one in line when they open the doors. Ah! Did you guys catch that one? I thought that one was pretty good. I mean... I mean, you know, just the mad rush. You, you just want, Lord, I just need some help right now. 
the fact is that the, the opposite many times is true. This is a misquote from what that, that comes. That God didn't give you any more than you can handle. It comes from this scripture, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I'm going to read you the New Living Translation. I think New King James will be behind me. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. He says that he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. He doesn't say that the situation will be more than you can handle. He's talking about the temptation. Uh, And if we look at the Bible, if we just started looking at different people, how many people in the Bible had situations that were more than they could handle? I mean, let's just be honest. Let's be think. See, because we think sometimes if we're buckling under the pressure, it's because we have bought the lie that we need to handle this all by ourselves. And so when we buy the lie, we get overwhelmed. If we look at Gideon, Gideon says, I am not your guy. And God, he still uses him in that situation. He says, I'm the weakest in my family, Gideon says. I don't have what it takes. Look at Moses. Moses said, I stutter. I got a speech problem. I can't talk to these people. And there's even other parts where Moses is like, these people. You know, he he goes up to the mountain for a little bit of time. God comes down and they're doing the whole happy dance again. Get the golden calf. You know, I mean, he's just like, ah, these people. Look at Esther. I'm, I'm afraid. David says this in Psalm 38, verse 4. And then verse 8, he says, when, it's when the weight of sin, when, he, when he's realized, he says, my, my guilt overwhelms me. It's a burden too heavy to bear. And verse 8 says, I'm exhausted. I'm completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. And if we could, I mean, I can just go person after person. I can pick so many. Let's just look at the best example. Look at Jesus. Mark 14, 33 and 34. The Bible says he took Peter, James, and John with him. And he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. The Bible says that he sweat drops of blood. He's sweating blood. I'm just, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I'm saying that's pretty overwhelming. I've had some stuff that really felt like it was overwhelming me, but never to the point where I'm sweating blood. I mean, he is he is overwhelmed. God never said that he wouldn't give you more than you can handle. So if you're in an overload right now, now I I, I want you to understand that you can handle alone. Did you hear me? Okay. I'm going to give you two reasons why that could be this morning. I'm going to start with, actually I could give you three, so I'm just going to say this one, but I'm really going to give you two that we're taking notes on. One reason, very easily, is because we've made stupid decisions. Sometimes we just don't think things through and we put ourselves in a pickle and then we want to blame God. And so then we are like, ah. so outside of us just being not wise, I'm going to give you a couple more. OK, <clears throat> so why would God allow us to have more than we can handle? Now, remember what I said before. God is not putting things on you. He's not giving you disease or sickness. He's not causing you to be sick or to stay sick or you know any of that i hope you believe that because i'm not if you don't then we're gonna you're gonna have trouble with what i'm gonna say we need to understand god is a good god amen and only good things come from god and and you also need to understand that god said he gave you the keys 
to the kingdom. And I'm going to say this again later in the message, but you need to hear it now. God has the power to do anything. Is that true? Okay, and Jesus said that he has all power. Turn to your neighbor and say all. Okay, God has the power. Now listen to me, but he gave you the authority. Okay, he has the power, but you have the authority. In other words, the ability for that to happen many times is up to the person with the authority to allow it to come in and take place. Everything that you need, God has already provided for. But we have the authority to allow him in. When we, when we talk about giving at the end of service and we say, yeah, we, we want to give, what happens? Because that when we allow Jesus to step in on our finances, he now has legal access because we just gave him authority. So now he can work on your finances. When we do not do that, he has the power to do it, but he has no authority to do it. And you're like, Brett, listen to me. Adam had all power, and well, God had all power. Adam had all authority, and he gave it to someone in the garden. Who did he give it to? Satan. Satan had then the power or the authority, and then Jesus came and took what back? Jesus took all the power, all authority, everything, and gave it back to you. So now we have the right. See, that's why when people talk about deliverance, that's why the person, they have the right. They say who camps on their campground. They have given them access, so they have to kick them out if they need kicked out. Does that make sense? Okay, we're on the same page. All right. Here we go. Why would God allow us to have more than we can handle? Now, and again, when I'm, I'm using this term allow, so you need to understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying God's, I'm saying allow do you ever allow your kids some freedom and allow them the consequences of the freedom depending on the framework of what you've given them all right so number one would be depend on his presence so many times we go through stuff and see when everything is good and peachy and everything is great we don't really even think about God. I mean, do you really, when, when the refrigerator's full and your bills are paid, I mean, do you, do, you, do you think about the next month's bill? Usually not. Usually we don't even think about, well, we got food in the fridge, everything is good, this is all right. When everything is good and going right, we kind of put God on the back burner. Our prayer is that it just keeps going right and that the people that come up to try to help us jump out the window, those kind of people, or, you know, they come in threes. I'm going to slap you three times, okay? That's what you want to say back then. I'm going to hit you once and just know two more are coming. So when God is good, we, we like that. But then, uh-oh, Chongo, when things change, that's a reference to tell you my age. Uh, things change and they start, and then we start going, okay, now, no, wait a minute, wait, wait. Well, where did we where did we leave God out? We need to get God back again. We are all of a sudden our memory clears up and we remember God a little better. Now, I fly to see my parents usually once a year. My arms get tired, but I try it anyway. <laughs> now, I, I have never flown to this day. I have never flown, but I will. One day I will fly first class because I want someone to say, would you like some shrimp? I would like that on a plane. But, you know, you get, if you fly coach, 
they always load the first-class citizens first, do they not? And they, those people all just walk by and they just snicker because they know now it's first come, first serve. And you get in the line with all the, everything you got and all that stuff, and you're going to get in line. And if you are one of the last people in line, if you're that fortunate, nobody wants to make eye contact with you because all the window seats are taken. How many have ever flown? And the aisle seats are taken. There's only the middle. And they don't want to look at you because if you look at them, they know you're going to say, I'd like to sit down. Could you scoot over? Or you've got to move your big rear end in between them and try to sit in these seats that only your kid can almost fit in. You know you're thinking that too. You know what I do? I sit clear in the back. I always go clear back to the tail as if I can. If I'm flying coach, which is all I've flown, uh, I'll go clear back to the back. I can watch the people prepare the peanuts and the sprites and all that stuff. But a lot of people don't like to sit back there. I do. It's fine. And inevitably, whoever I sit by, sometime in our conversation, they'll ask me, what do you do for a living? What's amazing to me is what they say all before they ask that question. Some people have the gift of cussing. They're very eloquent with that. They can put all kinds of colorful words before and after and be, oh, I've flown to blankety blank and we're blank, 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 blank. Oh, blank, 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 blank. What do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. So then the rest of the flight, it is either crash and burn and we don't speak, or I talk to them and they just nod. And they're like, oh. Or they get real spiritual. They change. There's a metamorphosis where before they were just kind of, they might have cussed, but they were, you know, they're at least human. And now they're like, you're sitting with Moses or somebody. They're, well, bless God as I go to the mountain. You know I mean? So you're like, oh, really? So, uh, you know, it goes a couple different ways. But it is just amazing what happens when, when we have God near us or when we have God, how people respond, whether he's with them or not. That particular plane flight with the guy that had the gift of cussing, we went through the worst turbulence I've ever felt on a plane. Matter of fact, our plane was delayed for like four or five hours. I sat in the airport. They're supposed to get another plane. They did not. Then they got, they said the mechanics fixed the sick plane. That's what somebody said. The plane was sick, and so we fixed it. I don't want to fly on a sick plane. I mean, it's, so we didn't change planes, and I asked the one lady, is it fixed? And she said, well, they wouldn't let him fly it if it wasn't. And he's pretty good. So my wife is like, you are not flying on that plane. I'm telling you, just tell them we're not going. You're not going. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to go because I, I, I try not to. I usually don't, I don't get afraid too much. And I wasn't afraid, but I was just like, oh, Lord. But then I realized, God, you're with me. And I felt in my spirit, it's going to be okay. So I got on the plane. And the guy that had the, the wonderful, he was bilingual, you know. And uh, so, he <laughs> so he was right there. And so when we got, and the plane was trying to take off, this is what's really happening. I mean, and it's like, and, and the people around, I mean, if a lady had a big bun and hairpins, it'd be like, Gee. and so the guys, you know, and, and he's like, we're going to die. And that's what he said. We're going to die. And I said, we are not going to die. And he said, how do you know? I said, because my destiny is not to end on this plane. We're going to get there fine. Just, you know, I wanted to say, turn around, shut up. 
So we got through the plane. We, we made it there. And then, you know, by the rest of the flight, I think he, you know, he at least acted like he was either going to have a relationship with Jesus or was trying to get born again. I don't know. I talked to him a little bit as much as I could, but he was an artist. I'll give him that much. But when life gets difficult, we're suddenly drawn in the presence of God. This man who knew of God but didn't know God all of a sudden is like, oh, God. And he turns around. He finds out I'm a preacher. Pray, preacher. Okay, we're not going to die. You don't know that. I do know that. So, you know, just relax. Think about this. Let's look at even Jonah's life. We need to depend on God's presence in the mountain and in the valley. Now, you look at Jonah. Jonah told uh, God when God said, I need you to go to Nineveh and preach to the Ninevites. Jonah said, ain't going to do it. God ever tell you to go tell somebody about him and you just said, "Mm -mm." I wouldn't do that if you're close to water. (laughs) Anyway, through a series of events on the ship, some of you are like, where's that at? Jonah, Jonah. Uh, Through a series of events, then they're in turmoil and they they throw him over and then the, the, you know, the fish gets him and all that stuff. And and he ends up doing exactly what he should have done in the first place. But this is what happens. Jonah 2, 1 and 2 says this. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. I've read that over and over again. From inside the fish. So he's alive inside this fish. You know, it's, this is kind of, for you kids that are in here with us today, this is like Pinocchio to life. You know, what are you doing? I was going to be mad. You know, I mean, you, they built the fire and the whale and all that stuff. That didn't happen. We're talking about Jonah in the fish. But he's inside. So he's in the fish. He says, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called you from the land of the dead, and the Lord, you heard me. Notice he didn't say, in my hour of success, the NLT says, in great trouble. The, the King James might say, in, in my distress. And that's what I thought. I, so I wrote this down. We need God in our distress, and we overlook him in our success. We need to understand that he is just as much God on the mountaintop as he is in the valley. He is just as much the God that when he celebrates and you're like, yes, God, yes. What about when you're down in here? Verse 7 says, as my life was slipping away, I remember the Lord and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. I mean, this is Jonah and I'm thinking Jonah's inside. He's pretty much, according to what I'm reading, he's almost dead. He's just basically saying, I think this is it, but God, I'm crying out to you. See, we start thinking, we start analyzing. Why is this happening to me? Why is this going on? This is not what I prayed for. Then God must have abandoned me. He must not be with me. If God was with me, it wouldn't be happening. Can I say that if we think that... If you get saved, and and I'm praying there'll be people, we had people in the first service who gave their heart to Jesus... Listen to me, if you think once you're saved, you'll never have another issue, that's not true. If you think that everything will be smooth sailing, that's not true either. What I am telling you is that if you give your heart to the Lord, you won't be ever alone. Because in the midst of of stuff, in the midst, the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. If you want to put it in, in like, Brett, tell me how, it means the people that are saved and the people that are not saved all the people it rains on in this life 
you will have tribulation. It is what you do with what happens to you that matters. Seriously. I mean, there is so much in perspective. Turn to your neighbor and say perspective. So much of how you look at what happens to you and how you respond. You see, the enemy, can he can do a lot of things. He'll try to do things to you. But how you respond to them, it tells him what authority you work under. Because when you respond the way God wants you to respond, help me today. When you respond the way God wants you to respond, Jesus did it this way. When they saw him do something, he said, if you've seen me do it, daddy's done it. And what I've said, he said first. And that's how he responded. What if we would respond that way? What if we would say, God, you know what? There's so much stuff happening, but if I would just grab on to God and say, I know you'll never leave me or forsake me, show me how to get through this. I want you to write this down. If you're taking notes, I want you to listen to this. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. We'll say it again. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. God will never go against his word. <clears throat> we always read Luke 638 for giving when you know somebody wants to give give will be given unto you good measure pressed down shaken together running over shall men give into the bosom the same measure that you give will be given back to you how many remember that scripture we you hear it all the time we use that scripture primarily for giving and that's how it's mostly preached but there's a kingdom principle in there that the Lord showed me that I want you to understand so you see this is I brought this today This, I don't know what it's called, but it's a thing. And I brought this thing. But let's just say this is a problem, okay? And this is a problem. Say we all have a problem. We all have issues. We all have, I get it. But what we do, is we just let them grow. And then we not only have the, what we start out with a little thing, now becomes a big thing, and we almost can get inside that, and now that problem's all around us. That's all we see. I can't see past that. Even if I see good things, I have to look at them through the atmosphere of the problem. I can't wait till I'm better, but I see James. He looks, he looks so happy over there, but I can't really see him clear because I've got all this other stuff. Because what I've done is now I've made the problem my mess. And, and now I'm living in my mess. And I want to be free. The scripture in Luke that says this, it says, the same measure that you give will be given back to you. That is a kingdom principle. The Lord stopped me when I... That is a kingdom principle. Now listen to me. Some of us are waiting for something to happen. The reason it hasn't happened because you didn't... Give it to the Lord. You kept it. You, I'm just saying, we're waiting. Oh, I'm just waiting on this to come back. Oh, God's going to do it. But, but the whole time, as soon as you're, and you can say, oh, no, Brett, that's not me. God, I'm believing you for breakthrough in my finances. And then I've been guilty of this, too. And as soon as you walk out of here, oh, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, five minutes ago, you were shouting. And then we, we still are faced with the same thing because we didn't give that to the Lord. So we didn't get the answer. Does that make sense? It is a kingdom principle. 
You see, everybody on earth wants to have something for nothing. Because we, we have a generation now that America has raised up, and I'm believing that we're going to break some of that, but they feel, what is the word? Not ob, it's not obligated. Entitlement. They just feel like they're just entitled to everything. I mean, and some of it is just like, and now we, some of us were raised old school. I mean, I went through Walmart the other day, and there was a little boy somewhere, two or three registers down, screaming with a shrill that could probably break glass. And the lady taking my order is going, looking around her shoulder, and uh, she's like, oh, my. And I, I said, well, you know, I don't know. I said, I know what happened to me, and I know what we've done to our kids. We believed in spanking our children. I, I, that might not be popular, but we did. I mean, we gave them freedom. Oh, no, we didn't, we didn't beat them or anything like that. But my mom, I grew up that. This lady said, oh, my dad, he used his belt. And she went on about the belt. And the lady beside me, I think she's thinking, I'm glad I didn't live in your house. Oh, my dad, he'd pull that off. I mean, this guy, she made me think like this guy's like Indiana Jones. You know, but she said, I'd never do that. I mean, I've seen my wife, my kids would throw a tantrum. She'd just say, push the cart aside, calmly take the kids. I'll be back. Go out to the van, give them some loving instruction. Come back, set them back in the cart. You know, and if you came to our house, she didn't put everything that was breakable away. She just said, don't touch that. And if they touch that. They go, people go, you, oh, yeah. We did a pretty good job, I think. They're doing all right. God's doing some good stuff. Listen, never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. He'll never go against his word. He has the power, but he gave you the authority. Life and death is in your mouth. Life and death is in your mouth. Life and death is in your mouth. Sometimes, oh, I'm going to just be like this till Jesus comes. I don't know why God hasn't answered it, because you just did. You've got to start speaking life. Well, Brett, I've been speaking life most of the time. Well, let's try all of the time. And if you make a mistake and say something that doesn't line up with the word, break it, and then keep going talking the word. Life, life. You have the authority. God has the power. You have the authority. Here's something that I wrote down as well. When we give God something and we don't see him doing anything. Is because we still keep it. If we still work, I just gave that to God. But then we still that's all that comes out of our mouth. That's all that we talk about. And the way that we talk about it. If we're working, he's resting. If we're working, he's resting. If we're resting. He's working. I don't care what you're dealing with. Well, I, God, I just need that. We need money for this or we need this. I'm saying that you need to be obedient to the Lord in everything that you do as best of your ability. And what you need to give him, give him and rest. And just be expectant and, and watch. When I pray and believe God for a deer and I sow a seed for a deer, I don't wonder if the deer's coming. I just start looking where he's going to come from, literally. So what I'm doing, my mindset is I'm not, I'm expecting, I'm harvesting. Does that make sense? I'm harvesting. When you start saying, God, I need you here. I need you. But if you keep it, he can't do it because he gave you the authority. And God is saying, quit giving that thing life. What you feed grows, what you starve dies. Quit giving it life. 
Do you want to go another five years with the same issues? Kill it. You need his presence. He will never forsake you. God wants you to depend on him, to draw you to him. We need him. In my distress, I remembered the Lord and I called on him. Psalm 145, 18. The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. Some of you just need to call on him and be for real. When I draw near to him, he draws near to me. You might be saying, you know, if you put yourself in a situation that you can't handle, maybe a decision, I get it. Or, or maybe you've allowed the enemy to come in in ways and, and just run you ramshot around for whatever reason. Just know that God didn't have that. God wants to get you out of those. But you need his presence. Think about where the spirit of the Lord is. There's freedom. There's liberty. What happens when God shows up? It changes everything. Isn't it amazing when we get so low in, low in the valley and we have no place else to turn? Then we turn to God. Well, I tried this. I tried that. And that didn't work. Oh, okay, God will give you a shot. I need him when I'm in the rough places. You ever grow up and not have so much sometimes? You, you've heard some of my story. I mean, sometimes just little things to, to adults, we, we'd be like, oh, that's nothing. But, you know, to a kid, sometimes it, it means a lot um, because of the pressure from other kids. Lunchtime. Or uh, how many, I remember when Converse first came out, when I could get Converse tennis shoes. I never was allowed to have them, not because my mom and dad had anything against Converse, but because they were expensive. And so I got, do anybody in here remember Wells? Yeah, Kings? Hills? Those shoes last about what, 10 yards? <laughs> Put those shoes on, you tie the strings, they break, and you go, what? But anyway, you know, I'd get those shoes, and these, these boys had Converse, and I couldn't wait to get Converse. You see, to some kids, that would be no big deal, because they, maybe they always had that. But to some that never had that, and they get that, they don't take it for granted. I'm trying to tell you, is there's, we don't know where everybody's been. Some things to you mean nothing. To others, they're very big. My mother-in-law, she was with us first service, but... She said, you know, like one of the things that she loves today. And I, I believe that Jesus would probably enjoy a good chip once in a while. Chips. She loves her chips. Ballricks. You can't get ballricks everywhere, by the way. We've pastored in different places in Ohio. They don't, you can't find them. Some, when we come back to visit, she'd buy us two or three bags. We'd just take them back. They're great chips with pizza. Just saying. I'm trying to make you hungry. But. Those kettles, salt and vinegar chips. Anyway, Charlotte loves her chips. And I asked her one day, I said, you really love chips? And she said, I do. And I, I asked her one time, I said, why? She said, when I was a kid, we didn't have chips like you could get chips today. If we got chips, sometimes we got chips that nobody else wanted because they were stale. And they would put them on a cookie sheet and put them in the oven to try to crisp them up. And I thought, Lord, see, so to her, 
that is a luxury, even though it's just a small chip. It's not, she can afford chips now. Don't get me wrong. What I'm saying is, you don't understand all the things that people have said, but when they found God, they found out that even in the little things, they give him praise for it. I want to know him in the valley when I don't know exactly what I'm doing or how, how this is going to turn out. I need to know that he's with me. I need to know that I can't just celebrate with him on the mountain. There's, there's something about friends that only want to celebrate when you got something. But boy, give me the friends that when you ain't got nothing and they still stand there and say, I love you, I believe in you, I'm with you. Give me those people. You see, the valley, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death and I will fear no evil. Why? Thou art with me. Some of you want to stop in the valley, keep walking. Some of you want to camp in the valley, keep walking. Some of you want to have a pity party in the valley. Nobody's coming to the party, so keep walking. I want to be aware of his goodness. When I think of the prodigal son eating pig slop. And he, the Bible says he came to himself. My prayer is that many of us come to ourselves. You might not be eating pig slop somewhere, but you might say, Father's house. Because he said, you know, in Father's house, the servants didn't even do this. They didn't have to do that. That was better. And the Bible says that when he even got close, Dad was looking for him. Long way off, he saw him. And he ran to him. Put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet and a robe around his neck. He kissed his pig sloppy neck. I'd rather be in the valley with Jesus than on the mountaintop without him. Because then when I get to the mountaintop, it's going to be sweet. I'll do that happy dance. (laughs) I need his presence. I need his goodness. Because without that, it would be empty. Please hear me. You need God. He will never leave you or forsake you. Here's our number two reason. Now, again, understanding that, number one, God's not putting you in messes. I'm just saying some of our choices have put us there. Some of those things he's allowed because you need him. Even in the, in the mountain, you're still going to need him. So are we clear on that? All right. Here's number two. In short, let me just say this. God wants to show up and show off. You're being set up. Sometimes we just, you know, God loves you so much, he'll leave the 99 to go to the one. And and, and in short, this is what I'm saying. He wants to show you his power. Because in life in general, there's going to be times you just need God. He, again, has the power, but you have the authority. In other words, you have the ability to wield the sword, the book. The book, the sword. You have the authority to use it. So when you go somewhere and the enemy comes at you, You don't go unarmed. You have the ability to. You have the ability to pull that out and say. You want to dance? Let's dance. And then you can yield. Or is that wield? Wield. That's it. We don't want to yield. We want to wield. I can't say that three times fast. I'd be in trouble. It'd be sound like I'm lifting, doesn't it? (laughs) You need him. You cannot do it without him. Now, and I, I know it's 1146. 
I'm going to get this thing finished up in just, uh, just about 10 minutes. Can you give me 10 more minutes? How many give me 10 minutes? 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. We're okay. No, I'm only going to take about 10. <laughs> when, you know, when I was a kid and we'd go on a car trip, we, we had an AM radio. That's what we had. And, and we would, Dad would put us in the back of a, of a Ford Falcon or Fairlane or whatever, and Grandma would be in the middle, and we didn't have no games to play except the alphabet game or I Spy or Slap Your Sister, Steal Her Candy, you know, those kind of fun games. My kids have traveled first class. Now, they didn't, we didn't, you know, have a jet plane or anything like that, but, I mean, they're in a van with pull-down screens, and when we didn't have that, we rigged up a small TV that you could plug into the cigarette lighter that had the, the uh, VCR tapes, you know, that you could stick in there so they could watch movies. They had their Game Boys, and they still would be like, are we there yet? Well, you're about there. <laughs> You know, when I was a kid, we went, remember the South Drive-In? We went to South Drive-In, we stuck a guy in the trunk. Don't try this at home, kids, just telling you. Stuck a guy in the trunk, we were trying to sneak him in. Pulled up there, true story. Pulled up there, how many? Two. And this is what we heard. Can I come out yet? And the lady goes, how many? I go, Three. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. I'm probably you know. Okay. But boys are, you know, the the kids would have all kinds of things to keep them active. But you know, this I I heard a story of this. This is a, a, a dad challenging his son because we're guys and we just work different than girls and so we like competitiveness and there's competitive as girls, I get it. But guys the dad said, I bet you can't hold that that cloth hanky out the window until we get to grandma's house and the kid's like oh yes i can so for two hours he's got his hand out the window and that hand gets tired two hours and when he gets done he gets to grandma's house he goes dad i did it and this is what the dad does nice job Just because it was a challenge. But here's what I'm trying to get to you. Because, see, that's what we do. We buy the lie that we can do everything. We can handle everything on our own. We don't need God. We can do this on our own. And, we and God is saying, I'm right here. You don't have to do that. But see, we think it depends on our own strength. I got to do it. God, I got it. Watch and see if I can't. You were not created to have all the power to do it yourself. You were created to need God. You need to be desperate for him. When you realize he doesn't expect you to do it alone. And see, that's part of our issue. God just expects me to do it. I, I, I can't shed a tear. I have to do it. I have to be tough. God doesn't say. He says, in him we live, we move, and we have our being. He says that we can hide beneath his wings. 
when we recognize that it doesn't have to be all us, we start to experience his power. Paul said that he had a thorn in his side, and he asked God three different times to take it away. And this is what happened, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. Each time he said, this is what God answered, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the results, hardships, persecutions, or insults, not results, I'm sorry, insults, hardships, persecutions, troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Say this with me. When I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, then I am strong. One more time. When I am weak, then I am strong. Paul realizes when I tap into God, that's when power really begins. That's when things, I, I have to depend on him. I need him. I was created to spend time with him. And I need him. In my own strength, I can't handle anymore. It's more than I can handle in my own strength. But with God, what man says are, is impossible. With God, all things are possible. With, with man, it's like this. With God, God says, I got that. I can take care of that. Give that to me. Turn to your neighbor and say all. All things are possible to him who believes. You know what that means? That means whatever you're facing right now, if you give that to God, it's about to go down. Whatever is coming up against you, whatever is more than you can handle, whatever seems like this is too big for me, God is saying, I got it. Give it to me, Brad. Give it to me. Because with me, we can take care of this thing. Because dad is about to jump on the scene. When I'm exhausted, when I have the least to bring, sometimes that's when I'm the strongest. That's when I'm like, God, I, I feel your power. That's when that surge comes in. I can't go any further. And God says, you watch. And he picks me up and he carries me the rest. Jesus put his disciples in the boat, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to finish up here in just a couple minutes. He put his disciples in the boat, and they, the Bible says they just rowed. Man, they just rowed, and they're not getting anywhere. Have you ever been in a, in a boat rowing, and the water's a little choppy, and it just seems like you are not going anywhere? But you still have, you're still putting out energy. You're still rowing because you don't want to lose ground. The Bible says then he, on the third watch, he decided, I'm, I'm going out to them. How, how many times have we really looked for Jesus? We, we get so concerned about this. We kind of can't see the forest through the trees. We're so consumed by, by the issues that we're inside and they're all around us. What if our perspective would change and say, I can see him now. I can see him now. And we don't even understand. We, we got to understand because I don't think... I wasn't thinking like this. Jesus said, if you've seen me do it, you can do it. And I got one further. You can do greater things than I'm doing. Peter is only one of the guys that took him up on it. Walk on water makes no sense. But Peter said, uh, tell me to come. Okay. Are you really believing God? Or are you just going to stand and go, I can't take this anymore. You're not supposed to take it. He's supposed to take it, but you've got to give it. 
Jesus is coming to get your boat. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of rowing. I'm wore out. I have worked my arms so much as a, as a weightlifter that, I, you know, Kim can tell you, sometimes I've, you know, I've worked my legs or my arms. So I, I can't go up steps because they're just, I've fried them out. Or I've sat down literally. If you've ever seen, well, there's a movie. Oh, I won't even tell you the movie. But anyway, the guy's like, enjoy the food. It wasn't a bad movie. I, like I would see one. It's not a bad movie. And uh, he goes, I, I can't pick up my arms. I have been where I can't lift my arms to wash my hair. I have to just, <laughs> why? Because I've worked them so hard. Have you ever been so tired? It's just like, I'm exhausted. I, I can't do it. But you see, listen, this principle, we need to hear it. When I'm weak, he's strong. When I can't go on, he can. When I am stuck, he's unstuckable. There's another word for you. He's unstuckable. He is strong. So quit holding on to your problems. They're not yours to hold on to. Give them to God. You were created to need him. You were created to say, God, you know what? This is bigger than me. And God says, I know it, but it's not bigger than me. He will always give you things that will require him in the mix to accomplish with you. You got dreams and you don't need God. They're not God dreams. Saturday morning, I'm praying here and he says, what do you see? I said, well, I don't know. I mean, I see like all the seats filled and. He's like, what do you see? And he asked me again. And I, so I told him, and he said, I see bigger than you. What do you see? Do you want to look at the same thing? Is this all you want to see? I don't know about you, but I'm sick of the same old thing. I'm sick of looking at disgust. I'm sick of looking at things that I'm of barely just getting by. I, I, I'm sick of sickness. I'm, I'm sick of, uh, of just depression. Are you sick of it? Then if you're like, I can't handle it anymore, you're not supposed to handle it because he's supposed to take it from you if you give it to him. He has the power. You have the authority. If you're breathing, there's going to be more than you can handle. If you have kids, it's going to be more than you can handle at times. If you raise teenagers, help me, Jesus, that'll be more than you can handle at times. If you have a job, it'll be more than you can handle at times. If you are doing ministry, it'll be more than you can handle at times. If you're a, a woman married to a man, it'll be more than you can handle at times. If you're a man married to a woman, help me, guys, it'll be more than you can handle at times. You were not created to do life on your own. Instead of just rowing your brains out and feeling like you're getting nowhere, put your sails up. Jesus is getting to your boat. One version says as soon as he got in the boat, they were the other side. That's some quick sailing. If I can sail instead of row, you know, that'd be like power shopping to a woman. You can go to the stores that the sales are, or you can go to all the stores and finally get to the stores of the sales. They'd be like, give me the sales stores. I want to get to where God wants me to be. I want to give him everything that he needs. Everything that I have is his. God, I depend on you. I need your presence. And I thank you for your power. I want to experience that. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? <clears throat> Maybe this morning you're saying, Brad, I'm, I'm telling you, my, 
You don't even know all the stuff that's happened. You, you might not even know what I've done or what. I don't need to know all that. But if you feel like you just have all this weight on your shoulders. I mean, it just feels like you were just a corkscrew going down in the ground, just like the enemy just cranking you down there. And you want it to stop. The best thing I can tell you is you got to give this to Jesus. You got to give it to him. Because that is the relief, because he can come in and you can yield yourself to him and his power and your weakness will be strong. If you need to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and you're saying, pray with me, I promise I won't embarrass you. Maybe you need to rededicate your life. I don't know what it is, but I'm telling you, you want this weight off you, we got to give it to God. We're going to do that in the second prayer, but this one is just, I need Jesus. Number one, I got to get home base covered. If that's you, I want you to put your hand up, put it up right now. I won't embarrass you, I promise. Yes. Anybody else? Yes. Yes. Someone else? Anybody at all? Come on, this is your time. You didn't come here just to play around. And you're not going to leave the same. Let's take care of this. Let's say this prayer together, everybody. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. Today, I give you my problems. I need your presence. I need your power. From this day forward, I'll do my best to serve you. Amen. Keep your head bowed, your eyes closed. If you're here this morning and you're saying, I'll tell you right now, I got some things. I, I know the Lord, but I have put these things in front and they are destroying me. I act like I'm free, but I'm not. I continually think about them. They consume my thoughts and I'm tired of it. I want you to pray with me, Brett. I will. We'll all pray together. We're going to see God do some things today. Put your hand up. We're going to pray. Anybody like that? Yep, yep. I see them all over. Anybody else? Yes, yes. Still time. Yep, yep. Now, here's what we're going to do. Keep your eyes closed. And I want you to hear my voice. You must believe. You must believe. There is no plan B. Well, if this doesn't work, what will I do? Th there's no, this will work. Because according to scripture, you have authority to do this. Amen? Believe it. Let's pray. Jesus, in your name, by your power, by the authority you have given me, I break these things off me. Worry, concern, anxiety, stress, go in Jesus' name. Father, in the name of Jesus, put your spirit in me so strong. Plant flowers where we've pulled weeds. And God, I thank you that I will live for you. My life, my mouth, my heart will line up with your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, everybody look at me real quick. This worked. Now, I'm going to tell you something, and you're going to go, wow. When you first get saved, what happens? The enemy comes and does this. Nothing happened. Nothing changed. You're still the same. That didn't work. Can I tell you it worked, or he wouldn't have to be telling you that? He's trying to do the same thing to you right now. Well, you're still the same. You're not free. Tell him to shut up and go home. 
tell him to answer to God. You want to go talk to go talk to Jesus about that because he just took care of it. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to find some scripture for what issues that you're you're given to God. Now, you can tell I can give you some scripture for what we just did. You by his stripes, you're healed. You can you know, we can go through that. I get that. But I mean, some certain things you might want to say, you know, if you've got some uh, financial stress and you're like, I am not going to be consumed with that. Then I would come up with Luke 638. We quoted that earlier. Good measure, press down, shaking together, running over. Do all that. Philippians, my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Notice it's his riches, not yours. You're not worried about that. He's your provider. You find Revelation 12, 11 says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Get a word from God. Put it to use. Write it on a three by five card. Put it on a post-it note. Whatever you're dealing with. Stick it on your mirror when you're shaving, when you're brushing your teeth. Put it on the dash of your car. Anytime those consuming thoughts from what you're then say it out loud. Help me. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hearing and hearing and hearing. You're going to hear yourself say it over and over again. And what happens is when you keep saying it and you hear yourself say it. Again, life. These are these are life gates. Your mouth, your eyes, your ears. These are how things come in and out. Life is in your mouth. You speak life. You're hearing life. Your heart lines up with that. Did you catch it? Your heart lines up with it. If God is your treasure, your heart always follows your treasure. Where your treasure lies, your heart lies also. So put your treasure in the word. Put your treasure in God. Speak that, and your heart lines up with that. The enemy is not going to be able to keep messing with you because you're going to come back just like Jesus did, and you can tell him it is written. And he says, you're never going to have anything. Oh, I'm going to have more than enough. And here's my scripture. He doesn't want to hear that. And he especially doesn't want to hear you say it. So after a while, every time you tell him, he's going to quit asking because he don't want to hear that. That's how you win. Anyway, give the Lord a big hand clap. Can we do that? Give him a big shout. Well, I'm thankful for my wife because she... She told me first service, she said it was a little muddy for me. She said, you said the same things, but you didn't. It wasn't as clear as I normally. So I, I wanted to straighten it out. Let's make sure. So I'm hoping the people in first service understood my heart. I think they did. We're going to believe they did. Okay.